The Buddha did not come to make you feel better. The Buddha came to set you free. And using that as, the, as a baseline, that we know that there are some things that are lurking within all of us, which have to be brought out to the light and examined and rejected. Welcome to the Wisdom of Compassion, a podcast presented by White Conch Dharma Center. For today's episode, we'll be featuring a teaching by Domo Geshe Rinpoche, the spiritual director of White Conch, titled Honesty as a Spiritual Practice. In commentary about the classic Buddhist teachings of the Ten Virtues and the Ten Non-Virtues, Rinpoche discusses a multitude of forms of dishonesty and their remedies, from the dishonesty of sarcasm to dishonesty due to fear of the unknown, we explore some of the dynamics characterizing each one and are invited to begin the process of self-exploration and observation. If there's a section that really speaks to you, we'd love to hear about it. Let us know what you found helpful by writing to us on our Facebook page for White Conch Dharma Center. Enjoy the teaching! In our Tibetan system that uh, we have, uh, two methods by which we learn. One is the negative, bringing out the ne negative consequences. And the other part is by extolling the uh, positive consequences. Sadly, we want to extol the positive, cons po the positive reasons why we do things when we haven't yet given up our grasp on the negative, uh, the what negative, what we perceive as benefits of holding on to uh, our poor behavior. Huh? And so Buddhism is not really uh, a feel-good spirituality. We don't want you to feel bad, but it is not a love and light kind of spirituality that is going to lull you into simply feeling better about yourself and others enough to be able to endure daily life. That there are plenty. I mean, uh, you could go on Facebook. If you want to feel good, go on Facebook and read some of the uh, positive uh, statements, the uplifting statements, etc. That there is no lack of positive reinforcement, I think they call it, so that we can go on and being able to be able to deal with daily life. Doesn't that make sense? The Buddha did not come to make you feel better. The Buddha came to set you free. And using that as, the, as a baseline, that we know that there are some things that are lurking within all of us, which have to be brought out to the light and examined and rejected. So we, we, don't want to, we don't want to travel too far down this road that we forget our Buddhist tendencies. However, however, this is an extremely important list of non-virtues, what we call the 10 non-virtues. This is uh, killing, stealing, Sexual misconduct, it was in there. Lying. Divisive speech, which is slander. 
insulting words, which is harsh, harsh speech, idle gossip, covetousness, harmful intent, malice and ill will, and wrong views. So these are the 10 non-virtues. And just briefly, for those of you who may not be familiar with this, uh, this particular grouping, in order to be a non-virtue, there must be a basis or an object of the action. Number two, there must be the intention, the state of mind of the person performing the action. For example, a number of years ago, uh, someone said that if you're driving down the road and you accidentally run over an insect, you didn't even see it. I mean, it's pretty likely to do that, huh? That this would be, this would be killing, right? However, it doesn't really, it uh, doesn't really fall within the confines of the, of the criteria because you actually had no intention. You weren't even aware that it was happening. The state of mind has three parts. Recognition that this is wrong. You must have a motive that it is wrong. You must have a motive to do something that is wrong. And there must be a delusion present that is pushing you to do this uh, wrong. That's number two. Number three, you must actually do the deed. You must actually perform the action, whether it's a mental action or whether it is a physical action. And number four, the final step uh, is the completion of the action. And so this particular series of non-virtues is discussed again and again in many different ways. And looking at the criteria and judging to allow us to judge our own actions. Did I do something wrong? How many of us have spent endless hours thinking, have I done something wrong? <laughs> yeah. That what a waste. If we don't have a clear cut sense of what are the parameters of wrong, that we, that we, in, we indulge ourselves in this morass of gray area of right and wrong, where we, if we have that kind of inner critic, that it doesn't matter how small, that you could accuse yourself of wrongdoing many, many times a day. This is how the, the inappropriate inner critic uh, gains a foothold over our mind. And so this really helps us understand that we had to have a motivation to do it, if we did something unintentionally, although we are sorry for it, that it is not considered to be a non-virtue or a kind of breaking of our moral structure. You know, I have had people come to me on a number of occasions who have carried some terrible guilt around with them for years and years, never able to verbalize never able to forgive themselves. And in fact, they reinforce that by saying, I have done something which is unforgivable, you know? And so this bears a great deal on this 10 non-virtues that we must have. If, 
If you're interested, it's very easy to go on Google. Google non-virtues. <laughs> See what you come up with. So that you understand and place these into your mental files so that you can refer to this criteria to decide whether, in fact, you have created something which needs to be pardoned, uh, expiated, or whether it's a tempest in a teapot going on in your own mind. Huh? Since we're looking at honesty as a spiritual practice, that if we equate this with the practice of the Ten Virtues, which is really much more tasty, much more interesting, like let's all practice love, let's all practice honesty, let's all practice superior thinking, let's all practice generosity. But uh, honesty would be in that category of the ten virtues or the ten positive qualities. And so in Buddhism, what do we call that? What, is, what are the ten virtues? This is very easy, people. There are the avoidance of the ten non-virtues. Just that much and no more. You want to be virtuous? Don't do this. You want to have that virtue? Don't do this. And so we learn, we learn by seeing what is harmful and wrong, and we don't do that, we change our behaviors, and we become virtuous. Hmm? We actually don't have to practice virtue at all, although we could talk about it in a different way, but in this case, the avoidance of the 10 non-virtues. In that way, I would like to talk to you about the 10 non-virtues of dishonesty. Dishonesty, we would consider to be the opposite of honesty. And in, in the spirit of this, what we want to do is we want to expunge dishonesty from our life. And uh, to quote Winston Churchill, hmm? a lie gets halfway around the world before the truth has a chance to put its pants on. Where did that come from? <laughs> and so, for the purpose of our discussion, is that dishonesty, our dishonesty spreads everywhere before we would have an opportunity to practice sincerity and honesty. That our dishonesty has already farted up the entire atmosphere. <laughs> Forget about halfway around the world. And so one of my, the first one, not necessarily in any, any particular order, but the first dishonesty is uh, sarcasm. I ask you now, why is sarcasm dishonest? There are many different ways to look at sarcasm, but I would like to, you know, har as harsh humor, as, uh, uh, as a kind of uh, arrogant superiority, People will use sarcasm, but I'd like us to, to just really hone in on this particular point of why is sarcasm dishonest? Yes. You can use uh, sarcasm 
in a way to kind of avoid directly saying something you're feeling, but using sarcasm. To, to deflect. You could use sarcasm to deflect uh, attention away from something that, uh, uh, that will, uh, what they call, proactive attack or something like that. What do they call that? Preemptive attack. That's right. Very good. So to cover up, yes. Why is it dishonest? Um, it's dishonest in that uh, usually the verbal content of it is not congruent with the energetic message. Oh, very nicely said. The verbal, say it again, the verbal content, the verbal content is not congruent with the energetic message that's being sent. In other words, someone could be someone could be appearing to tell a joke, but there's a there's a great deal of harshness and, a, and an attempt to wound, and so they are. Uh, in fact, there's a lie that's happening between their words and their uh, and their energetic message. Huh? Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Good point. Something for us to consider. Why why is sarcasm dishonest? Yes. Um, but to me it seems like it's a way of like somebody else was saying deflecting and having that energy that doesn't match to the point where it blocks intimacy and doesn't allow you to experience the spirit. Very good. Very good. That it blocks intimacy. It doesn't allow you to really touch others in, a, in, uh, in their spirit or their inner being we might say. And, uh, and so there's a there's a kind of dishonesty of what you are presenting in communication. So as communication, it's dishonest and deflecting. Very good point. Yes. Generally, even the words themselves are an exaggeration one direction or the other. Just, just blatantly an exaggeration to make a point. An exaggeration to make a point. Uh, this could mean that you are taking something out of context or blowing up a particular, for example, if someone, let's say someone was, uh, was wearing uh, purple shoes and that you would make a big deal out of their purple shoes as though you were, as though you were uh, uh, giving them bad character because of their shoe color, huh? like that. Sort of along the same lines. There's, there's maybe an emotional element, like you're afraid of some emotion, and so you, you use sarcasm to cover it up. So in some sense, you're turning away from from your true feeling, and instead you're using these words. So, so in reality, you're not telling the truth. That you're telling that you're telling uh, you're telling something uh, in order to avoid. Uh, or any kind of real communication. Uh, the opposite, the opposite of sarcasm, what would the opposite of sarcasm be? If one didn't practice sarcasm, but practiced the opposite, what would that be? So at least we have an alternative. We'll keep this in mind. Yes, dear? It would be a clear expression of what you're feeling or needing or wanting. A clear expression of what you're feeling or needing or wanting Let's, let's think about sarcasm, let's think about sarcasm as the attempt to hurt another, to, to wound another. So what would the opposite be? Although that's a good point. Yes, Dave. Praise? 
praise my answer very there that's very true telling what builds what builds up the other person with the intention to make them happy speaking words that build them up rather than tear them down speaking words that make them happy rather than making them feel ashamed and unhappy and so if we have a tendency <clears throat> toward this form of dishonesty and wish to practice and wish to reduce that that we could stop ourselves in mid-sentence and think what could i say that will build up this person's confidence character what will make themselves believe in themselves more in order to expunge sarcasm from our strategies this would be the honest and sincere thing to do wouldn't it number two blunt honesty as a form of dishonesty how do you feel when someone is blunt with you offended yes i want to shut them down you want to shut them down you want to hit them uh, well sometimes but it, <laughs> what i was trying to say though was like i wanted to make them not communicate oh you want to stop them from being from talking reaching. to you you don't want to be there i don't i want to stop them from reaching you want them to stop them from reaching you good point how do you feel when someone is blunt with you would it make you feel scared how do you feel of course you're individuals so i'm asking you how do you feel unliked unliked very good point yes yeah. and having and that's you know bears upon yours you that you suddenly get the feeling that this person really doesn't like you and they shouldn't be around they should go away <laughs> if they don't like you don't be around me how do you feel when someone's blunt with you yes keep it dear sad i think but sometimes i feel some sense of relief mixed in every so often that you at least know where they are coming from yes they have not been honest yes but it's a sadness like that it's too but strong. now we're remember you know that there are forms of blunt honesty which we appreciate hearing etc but i'm talking about the dishonest form of blunt honesty that we must be that we must discuss in order to be able to see uh, other ways. Yes, dear. I would say misjudged. Misjudged. Because it's, it's this blunt honesty that's dishonest. In fact, they're taking something out of context or they're blowing it up or they're, they're not seeing the whole picture. They're just focusing on what their perception or perceptual uh, blinders are seeing. In general, I think we can think that wasn't a very nice thing to do because we're talking about we're talking about someone who is telling you something like you're so stupid or you're fat or you're ugly or you don't have this you don't have this good quality that is needed yes dear it's uh, it's not constructive not constructive that you feel wounded and you feel that it's not constructive how do you feel when you are blunt with another person let's look at the other side of that equation 
How do you feel? Because I know you've all done it. Don't don't sit and wear your little your little white kitty cat faces here. <laughs> yes, karma. Guilty. Guilty. When you feel guilty when you are when you are being blunt with another. When I realize later that. No, I mean at the time. Oh yeah. At oh, the time. At the time, I feel angry. Angry. Okay. So this this also bears upon what's being experienced that you feel angry. What do you feel when you're blunt with? Huh? Mean. Mean. And the person, I think they're getting the point when you, when you experience it. Yes. I immediately feel regret. I think, oh, that wasn't very Not skillful. after, not after. It, no, right, I mean. Even while you're saying it? No. Well, right after I say it. No, yes. not oh, after. after. After would be a different. How do oh. you feel when you are being blunt with someone? This is a very different, we don't have any chance here. Take Shin. Verbally aggressive. Verbally aggressive. Pleased about it. Pleased about it. There we go. There we go. Okay, this, gosh, doesn't this uh, fall into our criteria for the 10 non-virtues? Whoops, whoops, whoops. Yes, Shay, did you have a... Uh, generally, it comes for me from kind of a frustration, like it's kind of a recourse action where it just comes out. So it's an attack, feeling frustration and wanting to, wanting to attack like that. Yes, dear? In control. Very good, in control. At the time you're being, that you're being blunt with someone, you know that they can't retaliate, that you, have, that you are in control of them and in control of the situation. Ouch, 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 ouch. Kipu. Righteous or right. Righteous, there's a very good, a very good, that you have, not only are you telling it, but you have the perfect right to tell, that you are compelled to tell, that you must tell, this is the right thing to do. And that's why we are not talking about what happens the, in the next moment after you see their face and realize a, a kind person seeing their face and realizing that you've hurt their feelings so badly. And then you feel regret, but that would, it's too late. It's too late then. I mean, you can always apologize. Yes, what would you like to add to this? I'm just thinking of a time long, long time ago with my mother, and I don't know if I was like blunt, like you're ugly, you're fat, but I remember a moment where the intention was to use her very, her extreme vulnerability and just make it, you know, just really capitalize. Oh, thank you for sharing that <laughs> and, and being so, being so, so open with us. That it that you you saw that she was vulnerable and you wanted to play with her vulnerability. I wanted to you know just really drive home my point. Yes. About yes. Uh, I don't know. All right, all right. So these are these are some pretty serious some pretty serious things that are happening on both sides. That uh, I, I have another quotation. Actually, a couple of them here. Sorry about that. People who are brutally honest get more satisfaction out of the brutality than the, out of the honesty. <laughs> Good, huh? And William Blake, a truth that's told with bad intent beats all the lies that you can invent. What would be the opposite if you didn't practice brutal honesty? What would be the opposite that we could practice in order to help reduce that. Gentleness? 
gentleness. Acceptance and tolerance. Anybody? It seems like based on what we're saying, I mean, part of what I was hearing was, like, thinking of my own life, there's almost like this pent-up, you know, maybe there's something I've been upset about and I haven't dealt with it as it's, and then it kind of builds and it comes up. And so coming out brutally is more about my own need and the fact that I've been suppressing or whatever. Yes. So the opposite might be telling a gentle honesty, but also in accordance with when I think they can hear it. Absolutely. More sensitive to the needs of the other person so that they would actually be open to understanding. This is what therapists do, folks. That this, <laughs> that this kind of presentation of truths is done very judiciously and with a great deal of observation of how that person is able to react to it. My, my answer, and I like your answers as well or better, refraining from viciously hurting others with the intent to harm. In other words, seeing this capacity for brutal honesty that we might think, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And just stop before you do it. And knowing the feeling of frustration or wishing to be in control, or these feelings of superiority, wishing to take advantage of the vulnerabilities, whatever your particular reason how you get into that brutal honesty uh, place, that recognize when that starts and just don't do it. Yes. It reminds me of, I think it was Shanti Deva from one of the, the teachings you, the commentaries you gave, where he talked about just remaining still as wood. Yes, like, like a piece of wood. Absurd, like a piece of wood, you just... Yeah, when you just, observe, lock, just lock it down. Don't, don't let it, don't let it go any further. Just remain impassive as a piece of wood. Very good. So my next, uh, the next uh, dishonesty, intent to harm due to a wish to insult. How is this, how is this dishonest? Where is the dishonesty? If you want to say lack of sincerity, maybe we'll use that as an alternative. Where is the lack of sincerity in an intent to harm due to a wish to insult? And of course, you're not actually touching the person that you are trying to wound them through your words. You want them to feel bad. You want to insult them. Intent to harm due to a wish to insult. You know, I was watching a, only a portion of a movie, and I, it was called Ridicule. It's actually in French uh, with subtitles, and I couldn't watch, I couldn't watch it uh, for very long. That uh, it was about the, uh, I'm not sure what the time was, hundreds of years ago, in the court of Versailles, Versailles in France. And the, uh, at that time, that people who were witty uh, were considered to be uh, most welcome in this uh, royal court. Even people who were not nobles, if they had a quick wit and were able to, and meaning, insult others in a very witty way, that they were elevated into uh, being invited uh, to many parties and many functions and considered to be, uh, considered to be, you know, like the sages practically. 
uh, and so they would harm. And you could see, even in the movie, you could see the distress when the, uh, the what they call, the buffoon of their barbed humor, their wit, their insult, which was done in a very clever way, received it and the wounding, that was the, that was the payment to see how wounded they were. Sometimes they would be so good at ridicule that they would uh, cause that person to even leave the country, that they would feel that their reputation had been destroyed uh, by this uh, process. And sitting among people who were, who were uh, high members of the royal court, and so it would be different if somebody insulted you on the street, but to insult you amongst those that you wanted to please and that you wanted to please them, you wanted them to please you, but instead you got ridicule. I think I only watched about 15 or 20 minutes and I felt, I felt more and more sad. What would be the lack of sincerity? By not necessarily this particular example, but an intent to harm due to a wish to insult. I would think that someone would have to be quite aggressive, but nonviolent. So you would have someone who is probably, generally speaking, would be more educated. That I know, I know some people who uh, feel that, that this type of, it's not really a sarcasm, but this type of insult is actually uh, shining a light on their own intelligence. Huh? Don't you know people like that? And especially toward people who are uh, helpless, who are not that good at insulting back. Huh? There's a, what they call these things, a roast, huh? where some movie stars or famous people gather together with the one person. It's supposed to be a great honor to be able to be the target of some what they call roast. Are you familiar with this? And uh, really terrible things that they say, and yet they have to be taken with a kind of lighthearted humor so that you don't show, like in that movie, the ridicule that this tremendous hurt. You cannot allow others to feel hurt. I mean, you cannot allow yourself to appear as though you're hurt, all right? And so what is the dishonesty here? I mean, to me, I think it's sick from beginning to end, but what is the, what is the dishonesty of this? Well, if I can make you look stupid, then I don't look stupid. So both people are being dishonest, really. I mean, people, the one that has to keep their facade up and yes. gets pierced versus the one that does the piercing that, you know, wants to be in control. So the one who is, the one who is, has the intent to harm wants to feel uh, that they are, uh, superior? Well, I don't know. I think it's about being in control. I also think it's being like in control. themselves. You know? uh, perhaps trying to belittle them, insult them, to make them weaker so that it's easier to be superior over them. <laughs> it's complex, but it's a very spontaneous type of behavior. We're sort of, we're discussing it here in a way that doesn't seem to relate to things that you may or may not have done 
in the past or a tendency that you have, but looking at it this way, I assure you this is a very common characteristic. Yes, dear. It's using others to build yourself up. To, mm -hmm. to, That's right. Yeah. Using others to build yourself up. My, my point was that out of superiority, that you would never be able to insult others unless you had a strong sense of superiority combined with trying to keep another in their place. That you need to, you can't let them get past you and so you must insult them in order to keep them in that, uh, in that lower position. Yes, dear. Something that she said um, about using somebody else to build yourself up, like it's like the dishonesty to me is that you're doing that without their permission. Yes, you're doing it without their permission that you are not sincere in your motivation. If you were sincere and actually had that much aggression that you should go to a gymnasium and punch a bag <laughs> and not a person. That, that would be more, a more sincere outlet for your aggression. And so the dishonesty... Become a boxer, become a boxer. That's become right. a famous boxer. That's you, right. want, you want to be on top, right? That's right. Yeah. A wrestler, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so the dishonesty, the dishonesty is that, is that your intention remains uh, semi-hidden until you draw your arrow and really hit them, all right? Mm -hmm. Because you have to get close enough to your target to be able to insult them. And so you have to draw them in and then you hit them with your arrow. Yes, one more comment on this. This must be a technique that begins very young. Because I remember my mother used to say, um, it was one of her sayings, enough that, you know, like we could pass it on. Your grandmother used to say, you can never build yourself up by tearing someone else down. Yes. So it must be very, very common. Yes. And, and very, very young that people start doing it. Yes. There would be no admonition unless there was an issue That's like that. Yeah that uh, it, intent to harm due to a wish to insult uh, is, uh, is done out of anger at them. I mean, that's, that's pretty obvious. Although the, uh, the insult, the insult and the dishonesty is that you are not using an appropriate method for your anger, but in fact, insulting uh, something over here, perhaps even insulting the kind of car they drive or insulting, uh, insulting their, uh, their choices in career, etc. So rather than dealing with the, dealing with the issues that you may have uh, with that person directly, that you do it through insults. And the third, my third point would be out of a mood of anger without respect to who is being harmed. In other words, you could, you could walk into a room and there is someone who is just filled with that kind of energy and you know that you are going to get in their way and that you are going to be the uh, recipient of their insults. They don't even, they don't care. They don't care whether you like them or don't like them. You're going to get it. Anyone who walks into their range is going to get it like that. So it's not about you. It's not about something that you've done. They're not even angry at you. They're just in that mood. All right. And so what would be the opposite? What would be an ameliorating uh, technique 
for this intent to harm due to a wish to insult. Yes. You mean for ourselves? Yes. If we want, if we have this tendency, what could we, what could we practice in order to reduce or eliminate this tendency? Huh? Have an intent to help due to a wish to build up. <laughs> yes, that's right. That uh, yes. The immediate thing would be to look at them, and uh, you've suggested this in the past. Make yourself find a positive quality, and then um, not just think it, but then sincerely dwell on it. Dwell on it and then yes. verbalize it. Yes, that's right. So that you're actually um, saying something nice, building them up in the presence of themselves and others. But it but it it, it dissolves it dissolves its intention to harm when you're deliberately looking for something nice to say of to them. Deliberately looking doesn't matter what it's about. You could say that's a lovely pair of earrings you're wearing, or my, isn't it a beautiful day? You look so nice in the sunshine. I enjoy finding nice things to say about people. Not because I'm angry at them or I'm in a bad mood, but I think it's fun all by itself, you know? And it's a form of, it's a form of practicing sincerity with a positive, uh, a positive outlook on life. What was your point? Well, I think your example is probably more direct opposite of the negative, but what came to mind is if there's someone who's less fortunate than us in any way deliberately reaching out to help them and give them resources to help build them up instead of That's right. Choosing someone who is, who is already perceived or is obviously an, in an inferior or uh, inferior position financially, emotionally, that they're not in a good place, that making special effort to reach out to someone uh, to help them. Okay, one more. <laughs> um, I think that, um, okay, intent to harm due to a wish to insult, to have any hope of changing that dynamic whatsoever, yes. that a person in that dynamic would have to explore a certain personal's vulnerability. Mm. Um, to ever be able to take yes. any one of these actions, <coughs> um, which would not be an easy thing to do. For All right. Person. Very good. Thank you. Uh, lying. Lying. Which is probably the most popular form of dishonesty, huh? Like that. And, uh, however, there are many different objects of lying, but most of them in Buddhism that uh, these things are discussed in minutia, eight points. Denying something you have seen, heard, experienced with your other senses, or known, or falsely claiming that you have seen, heard, experienced with your other senses, or known something which you have not. This is a very clear explanation covering the many different uh, points of lying and the various permutations of the lying experience of the objects uh, doesn't matter. These are the general principles that would be considered as lying. 
I know that this is probably the easiest one, but why is lying dishonest? <laughs> yes? Well, the, the clearest definition I've ever heard, it explains why lying is dishonest, is a lie is any communication given with the intent to deceive. The so intent to deceive. Specifically saying something yes. that's technically true in such a way that you're deceiving and you intend it, then that's a lie. So it's dishonest because you're intending to deceive. You know, we've just come from the political season, so I hesitate to talk about lies. Or, but, uh, but it seems to be a kind of expediency in all political life is the half-truth. And that, uh, that you choose the half of the truth, which allows you to uh, to win your particular point or your new bridge that you went in to fund or whatever it is, and you very carefully don't talk about the other side of the truth. Uh. And so lying or half-lying uh, is something which, has, which is endemic uh, in society all over the world. That uh, our modern age has given us a view of dishonesty, and particularly of lying, which it seems as though everybody does. And so it, as long as there are larger and larger numbers of people that we perceive or actually are lying, as a general rule, the easier it is for us to move toward that position of lying that it becomes, it becomes the natural way that society, that people in society behave with each other. And this is the, the harsh truth of the lack of sincerity that we, uh, that we live with every day. When people lie to us, we are offended, and at the same time we grow closer to our own capacity to be dishonest or to lie to others or have a lack of sincerity with others uh, because it's how people get along. Whether it's a big lie or a small lie or whether it's a lie that's a matter of life and death or, what, or as I would sometimes say, lying for practice. You know? Have you ever known someone who it didn't matter, was of no importance, but they lied? as though they needed more practice, they were already pretty good at it. Huh? To me, that's the most offensive and insincere because you really don't know if that person, it doesn't matter what they say, if this person is a liar, a generally a liar, that you don't know whether they're telling the truth or not. Because no liar always lies. But even when they tell the truth, you can't believe them. And so what is the dishonesty? That no one knows whether you are telling the truth or not. How would you ever get anything done when, you have, when people can't trust you? That this form of insincerity 
builds a relationship with others almost instantaneously. That no one takes you seriously. No one cares about you because it's pretty obvious that you don't care about others. What is the opposite of lying? What, what, would, what would we practice in order to reduce our tendency for not telling, for, for lying? Georgie. Honesty. Honesty. That we, would, <clears throat> that we would practice telling the truth in a balanced way as much as we were capable of until we're well enough to really, uh, to really be able to be considered <clears throat> to be a truth teller. Diction. I would think, honestly, I would think goodwill, practicing goodwill. Goodwill. I think seeing, I think also seeing, uh, seeing uh, what it does to others. In other words, even a liar doesn't want to be lied to. How very odd. You would think that if they practiced this enough, that they would hope that eventually everybody around them would mirror this particular quality. But in fact, quite the opposite. That their expectation of others, a liar is really in his or her prime, when others are completely honest and they are the only liar. Because then everyone is their patsy and they can uh, practice, they can practice fooling people uh, with impunity. Hmm? <clears throat> the opposite, avoiding this is a virtue. Avoid lying. Sometimes even in mid-sentence you realize that, it's, that this is not just not telling the whole truth, but you're actually telling a lie that just put a little lock on it, you know, just mm -mm, and throw away the key. Don't say another word. Avoiding this is a virtue, especially if a person has, had a, has a history of a tendency uh, to, to lie. That some people, some people, they learn this from childhood. They learn it from experiences. And uh, they will have, they will have a harder time being sincere. But when a liar becomes sincere, this is a huge uh, evolutionary development. So definitely worth, uh, worth working on and trying. And so <clears throat> the next is intent to harm due to greed, wishing to cheat others. Intent to harm due to greed, wishing to cheat others. Now, this is another really hard one. Why would this be dishonest? <laughs> Why would we call this dishonest? Because no one likes to be the victim. No one wishes to, no one wishes to experience this kind of victimization that when you come into contact with a cheater, even a cheater, like lying, even a cheater does not want to be cheated. And so, <clears throat> however, when this is done with the intent, not just like uh, some traditional story where someone is uh, dishonest uh, because they are hungry and they are stealing a loaf of bread or an orange from a roadside stand, but in fact, out of greed, that they want to have, they want to hurt others, they want to hurt others. 
in order to satisfy their greed. And that is what they do. That is their intention. That is their motivation is to harm others so that their greed can be satisfied more and more. The insincerity is that they are living in a fantasy. They're living in a fantasy world. They're living in a world where all objects and all people are there to be used. It's as though everything outside themselves is not even alive. That they are like toys or like objects on a shelf, little statuettes on a shelf that have no feelings. And so the lack of sincerity, the lack of sincerity in this is that they don't understand what it feels like to uh, be harmed by a cheater. While they are cheating others, they have no empathy for the victim. If we have these kinds of tendencies, what could we do to help us get away from that attitude? What could we practice? Yes. Generosity. We could practice generosity. In our traditional offerings behind us that you see uh, a number of bowls that are filled with water. And this water, this water offerings represents uh, food and incense and the various traditional kinds of offerings. However, it has become common to offer water bowls because we have very little attachment to water. That to offer a bowl of water does not arouse our greed at all. However, if you offered Snickers, <laughs> just bowls and bowls of Snicker bars, that this might arouse your greed, wishing to take something for yourself rather than placing it on the altar. So it's not a matter of money, but it's a matter of our, of our, of moving to the denominator where in general Buddhists, all Buddhists are not that attached to a bowl of water. And so having a mental construct, this bowl represents uh, scented water, this one represents fruit, etc., flowers, etc. And so uh, practicing uh, generosity in the way that you are capable of. You know, some people are just learning generosity. That uh, sometimes uh, even just giving someone a hello when you pass them, or a smile or a wave. You know, I do this up in our, we live in the countryside. You must wave. But it's an act of generosity that's easy. And so waving, giving them a wave, give them a smile. These are acts of generosity. You don't have to build a wing of a hospital, although that would be a good idea too. And so to, the, to increase your capacity for generosity, giving time, letting people tell you their story, making time for others, not feeling that your time 
is the most important thing and other people's time is like nothing. So we could even say not wasting other people's time <laughs> would be an act of generosity as well. The next one is an intent to harm due to laziness. Now we wouldn't really think that laziness would be a dishonest act, huh? Or a lack of sincerity. But what to, how could it be? How could it be dishonesty? What is the dishonesty of laziness? Yes, dear. Um, in a word, like you're kind of uh, passing over something you don't want to do for what you do want to do. And, and to me, that's dishonest because, you know, I mean, it gets us like paying karma. You know, if you have to do the dishes, you have to do the dishes. And it's not time for TV or something, which is, in that instance, is like a falsehood. But just also just from within yourself, you know, of this, this imbalanced way of <clears throat> An imbalanced way of, of choosing. Of choosing. So they are, it's, a, it's a kind of distorted way of choosing that doesn't really, that doesn't really honor yourself is what, honoring your responsibilities. Honoring your responsibilities. Or Who balance, else? Huh? Or your talents, that's true. Balance. Balance. But also talents, I heard, which is what I heard, that your balance is off. Yes? What would be the laziness? Yes. You're not doing your share. You're, you're putting more on somebody else. To, to exactly. And this was my point. I, I see this as a depressed form of dishonesty. A depressed form of dishonesty that could be doing tasks that are needed or benefiting others, but instead is just lying there. And so uh, you're not being sincere in your capacity to be able to do your own tasks. Huh? What would the opposite be? If we were trying to get over our laziness, service, mm -hmm. service to others, very good. And, uh, but let's, let's, look at, let's look at the state, then, and I, I can see that that would be a, a, a good method. Since laziness is, a, is this depressed state, what would be the other state that we would look at, yes, and enthusiasm. That, that, that was my point, that the opposite would be an alert state of eagerness. In order to overcome our laziness, we have to find something uh, which draws us away from this, uh, from this depressed state and doing something that is fun, waking ourselves up energetically, becoming more alert to the environment, to our needs, to the, to the needs of others, to their needs, that it, the tasks which need to be done, huh? like that. Intent to harm due to jealousy. Fulton Sheen said, jealousy is the tribute mediocrity pays to genius. I like that. <laughs> jealousy is the tribute mediocrity pays to, to genius. Huh? And so an intent to harm due to jealousy means that you need to be dishonest regarding your true feelings, roiling inside, creating, uh, creating a f building anger and frustration uh, and envy, uh, wanting, to, uh, wanting to harm others, 
uh, because out of jealousy. Huh? Who else would like to comment on this particular point? Yes, dear. I think jealousy itself <coughs> dishonest because you want something that belongs to someone else. That's right. That you perceive belongs to someone. That's right. So in, in a way, jealousy is a kind of thievery of qualities, or could be of objects as well. Huh? But disreputation, status, qualities. What would the opposite be? Rejoicing in the virtues, successes, and good luck of others. Sometimes you have to do it even though it doesn't feel good. That you can deliberately, you can deliberately uh, generate an enthusiasm over oh, some good luck. They got the job and you didn't. And I am so happy you got that job. So it's something, it's a quality that we need to cultivate because the, the consequences of practicing jealousy are so harmful to ourselves, And so we can't afford, we can't afford to be jealous, that we have to find a way so that our jealousy does not overcome our capacity to rejoice in the virtues of others and, uh, and, and the good luck of others, yes. Could it be contentment? Could the opposite be contentment? Contentment, yes, yes, that would be a very good way. That um, when we use, when we use our heart, our heart correctly, rather than trying to figure things out uh, through a mechanical uh, brain process or through the emotional, through the negative emotions, uh, that we will discover our capacity uh, for rejoicing. The next one is lying out of a fear of consequences. That uh, I quote the Dhammapada, the, the, the words of the Buddha. The one who destroys life, the one who speaks false, the one who takes what is not given, the one who mates with another's partner, the one who is addicted to drugs or alcohol, such one, even in this world, digs up his own root. And so lying out of a fear of consequences, deliberately, not in a wish. Now this has no wish to harm others, that one is fearful of the, uh, you're purely dishonest, uh, out of uh, not wanting to be found out that you've done something wrong and trying to protect yourself that in fact you the in fact that you don't have that you are closing the door to your capacity for honesty that the opposite here is honesty helps us acknowledge our mistakes and makes us personally responsible for adhering to our standards that when we try to avoid, uh, avoid uh, and be dishonest out of a fear of the consequences, that we have lost our opportunity to be able to stand up for what we believe in and whether we personally win or lose doesn't, is not as important as uh, telling the truth, being sincere and accepting uh, the consequences of our actions. This makes us a better person, it helps us evolve, and it uh, dissolves the trauma as well as this potential for a guilt in the future.
that there is no guilt. There's nothing to feel guilty about if you have uh, stood up and said, I did this thing wrong and I assume there are consequences and I'm willing to pay for it. This is where your character is going to really shine. Huh? Lying due to arrogance, pride, and love of reputation is purely dishonest because you don't actually uh, care about others, that you only care about yourself, that you're only caring, that you are seen in a good light. But since you don't have a good light, that you've got to lie in order to make people believe it, that this is so common in our modern world. And it, is, it makes us sad to be with others. We're not sure whether people are acting out of self, pure self-interest uh, or whether they are really being sincere. Are they doing it? This is where, this is the struggle for ego gratification. Isn't that so? When we talk about the destruction of ego, this is the ego that we don't want. This is the ego that would lie in order to be seen as a good person. You know, there was a, a story about uh, Tibetan Geshe who lived in a cave and his sponsor would occasionally visit. This is the person who provided the food and his needs. And so he knew that his sponsor was coming the next day uh, to uh, visit him and probably to bring donations. And so he cleaned up his entire cave and he cleaned his altar and made it look lovely. And he stood there in the middle of his clean abode and he realized that he was being dishonest, wanting to impress his sponsor. And so he went outside and took <coughs> dirt and threw it all over his altar. And of course the sponsor was very surprised when he came in and saw piles of dirt on the holy altar. And the, uh, the monk uh, confessed that he had thoughts to impress him. And in order to overcome that, that he uh, threw dirt on his altar. So I don't know if you're really that honest with yourself or that honest and willing to accept the consequences because he could have lost his sponsor, etc. And so uh, this comes down to us, this story comes down to us generation after generation saying, uh, Try not to look so holy or so, so pure that, uh, uh, that your reputation uh, is, uh, uh, becomes the most important thing to protect. Huh? The heck with reputation. You're not ready to say that, but okay. <laughs> so what would, be, what would the opposite of this be? Humility. Humility, that's right. I'm not really saying humility, it could, you could say that, but I'm saying it's a respect for others that have genuine respect for others, not based upon what they think of me or what they can do for me, but have genuine respect for them.
to have loving kindness for others, not depending upon buying and selling of, of reputation and personal favors, what you can get from them. And the opposite is building our sense of integrity. Our integrity cannot be based upon reputation of what others, uh, others think of us, that we must be able to stand in our integrity alone uh, rather than it being reputation, of course, is a popularity contest. And so leaving the sphere of the popularity contest, we maintain our integrity according to our own standards. And so the last two have to do with self-dishonesty, which is really more the point of our expectations here, perhaps tonight. The first one is self-dishonesty due to a fear of the unknown. And the other form is self-dishonesty due to ex excessive expectations that our view of ourself, lying to ourself, being dishonest with ourself, being insincere to ourself, not being able to tell ourselves the truth about ourselves can come because perhaps others' expectations are higher or unattainable or beyond our desire to accomplish the wishes of others. And so we lie to ourselves, saying, This is something that I want, something that I need something that I am, and particularly, something that I am definitely going to attain. When in fact, you may not have all of the causes and conditions in order to be able to attain that expectation. This is like someone who says, someday I'm going to live in a mansion and I'm going to drive a Ferrari and I'm going to have a billion dollars in the bank but you actually have no intention of creating the causes and conditions for this to happen. But in, in fact, you want to go to Bali, you really want to go to Bali and lie in a hammock. You don't want to do all that other stuff. The reason why you think it's cool to drive a Ferrari is because you don't have to walk and that you don't have to actually do anything. But people who have those things are not like that. And so you would have to be dishonest with excessive expectations. The opposite would be a realistic view of one's present capacities, capabilities, excuse me. A realistic view of one's uh, present capabilities without the inner critic coming in and giving you a further hard time. Things are already bad enough. We already don't have all of the qualities that we wish to have without getting down on ourselves in an in, inappropriate way. Self-dishonesty due to a fear of the unknown. If we're afraid of the future. And so we want to uh, shrink inside. We want to hide. We don't want to actually uh, come out and uh, do the things that we may want to do that we kid ourselves 
into thinking that we actually are doing something when we aren't because we're afraid to take that step into areas that we are not familiar with. So what would be the opposite of that? Courage. Courage, the spirit of openness, which is the core of a spiritual, an honesty as a spiritual practice, is that core of openness, which is not a mechanical kind of openness, but in fact, it is like the spirit of Christmas future. What was that one? The good one. The, the spirit of Christmas present. Having this capacity, this aura of openness, and as combined with a feeling that you're ready to evolve that there is something so amazing coming in your future that you are ready, you are ready for that to happen. You're enthusiastic for that to happen. That fear is nothing by comparison to the anticipation of this positive evolutionary changes that you seek. And that will be, that will be the honesty and the sincerity that you want to carry through in your practice in daily life. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or on whatever platform you're listening. You can stay up to date on White Conch news and events at white-conch.org updates and can find all our social media links and blog posts as well as these podcast episodes at white-conch.org slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to check out the next episode as we continue our exploration of compassion.